What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. Danny Kim is the head of growth at SFOX. In this conversation, we discuss what liquidity in crypto markets looks like, how best trade execution technology works, and how operations at a place like SFOX is actually executed. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do as well. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got Danny here with me. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode because uh, Danny and, and the team over at SFOX have been uh, really working uh, on the ground for four or five years now. So they, they lack the theoretical uh, intellectual Olympics and, and much more into um, just he, here's what's been going on, here's what we've been doing, here's what works and here's what doesn't. So uh, excited about the convo and I appreciate you uh, you joining, Danny. Thanks for having me, Pump. For sure. Um, let's get started with uh, your background, kind of explain, you know, what you were doing pre-crypto or Bitcoin stuff, and then uh, and then maybe get into uh, how you eventually discovered and, and got hooked. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, so after I graduated back in 2007, uh, I went straight into banking. Um, like most folks, people were going in for the money, banking was secure, or for, for they say, and then that, that's when the financial crisis hit, right? Um, I was more on the operational side back, like middle office, handling trade, trade reconciliations and so forth. And, you know, to be honest, like that just bored the hell out of me. It's a, it's, a, it's a cycle, right? You're doing same things every day and every day. Um, and so while I was doing that, um, I was actually, you know, working on a startup. We, it was like an e-commerce site. And, you know, that just kind of always kept me, piqued my interest. I was always kind of involved with, with learning more about what was going on in the tech, like the fintech or tech industry, like following Wired or looking at TechCrunch back in the day. Um, and then while I was working on the startup, uh, which was called... Um, what do they call style dig? Um, you know, the biggest pain point with the e-commerce site was that when I was talking to potential customers or vendors was that it was payment processing, right? Like for fashion designers, um, if they were to sell a good, there'd be a chargeback. And in the event that when there's chargeback happens, especially with credit cards at ACH, the, the merchant loses the item. Um, and then they also have to pay back uh, the credit card company or the bank. Um, so it's a double loss. Um, to, to, from my background, that didn't make any sense. So I just kept looking more and more into it. And then one day, uh, this was back in, I think, around like 2010 or 11, uh, there was an article in Wired um, about Bitcoin. I think it was like the, the, the rise and fall of when it went from about like 13 cents to like, 18, like $18 and it dropped. Um, and then I started reading more into that, and that's really piqued my interest a lot. And I started diving into more into that. And then it actually turned out that one of my buddies, um, my friend Bobby, uh, who just recently resigned from Cumberland, uh, started, you know, um, was actually doing OTC trading at Second Market, now Genesis. Um, and we were in Vegas one day. We were just talking about crypto. I was telling him, like, you know, I was like looking into Bitcoin. He was there. He was talking about, like, you know, he was at Second Market, what he was doing. And so I just kept nagging him about that. And then it turned out that, you know, a couple of months later, he was leaving Second Market to go to ITBIT, now known as uh, Paxos. And he was like, look, like, you know, we're, we're, we're we are, uh, moving headquarters from Singapore 
to the U.S. We need some, you know, people who have like banking backgrounds operationally and so forth. Like, are you interested? Um, and when he told me that, I was like, immediate. I was like, yes, definitely interested. Send me the resume. Um, sorry, not the resume, the uh, jobs, the job spec. And the funny thing was, like, and he sent it to me. It was on like a Craigslist ad. Immediately thought I was skeptical. Like, I was immediately skeptical because I was like, what kind of company sends out a job ad in a uh, Craigslist, right? Um, this is special. This especially when it was around like you know 2013, 14. I look at it. I'm like, you know what? Look, I'll uh, I'll, t- I'll I'll take the job without even interviewing with anybody. I go to my boss. And I tell him like, look, at the bank. I'm like, I'm quitting. I'm leaving. Um, I'm joining this thing called Bitcoin. I love it. Um, and I think it's the future without even realizing I had a job. Right. Um, and in retrospect, now I'm thinking about it like, damn, I probably I probably should have, uh, you know, probably confirmed I had a job, not confirmed if I have a job yet or not. <laughs> um, but anyway, I went into it, um, got the job, it bit, managed operations. Um, and then from there, you know, I was with them for two years going from, you know, heading up their operations to becoming the director of client services and sales. Um, and then over those two years, they started pivoting over to more of the uh, blockchain side of projects with their investors. And so while they were pivoting, I looked at other opportunities, which was around like 2016, 2017, and Gemini was available. Um, and so I moved over to Gemini as the head of sales. Um, and you know, a couple, for a couple of months, kind of saw after speaking with all the institutions or quote unquote institutions, early adopters, high net worth sophisticated traders getting involved in crypto. Um, you know, one thing I kind of saw was, you know, people kept saying regulation at the time was the one blocking everything. But then I kind of saw that it was actually like infrastructure. Um, and so when I was looking at what's actually available, what's actually going to help people adopt crypto, you know, I came across SBOX. They were one of my first clients um, that I adopted when I was in um, IPIT around like 2015. So I left Gemini and spoke to the co-founders at SBOX um, at um, Akbar and George. And I was like, look, like, I love what you guys are doing. This is kind of where the market is going. Um, and that's where I that's where I am today. Got it. And so when, when you first started uh, in the crypto side with ItBit, what was the biggest difference you saw in operations from legacy Wall Street finance uh, organizations in, the, in uh, the Bitcoin crypto world? Yeah. So, you know, the, the biggest thing, um, honestly, it was, it was reconciliation. Um, and keep in mind, like, you know, if ItBit... You know, this was a it was this this was a startup. You you were trying to reconcile daily of incoming deposits from you know the blockchain, um, and not you know, and then there's nothing to reconcile against like a like a wire deposit or, or or a record, right? And so that's such a huge different mechanism because you can't use spreadsheets, you can't use what's available you know in the public market because everything was set and used in um, you know for for wire transfer or something else. So for us, it was the biggest difference was, you know, trying to figure out, like, how do you reconcile it? Like, what do you do operationally to make sure that as an as an exchange, um, you know, everything is being done correctly? Um, and so what, what was really cool about IPIT was that they want like we've learned everything in the past and like the, the, the issues we occurred in, in banking um, operationally back in the day. Right. So we want to take all of that all those processes and transfer that into it, into the exchange to make sure that as a financial product or potential financial product, um, there's going to be that very similar reconciliation or, or, or that control. Um, so it's trying to, trying to figure out how do we adopt those type of similar controls so that it, it kind of meets what eventual regulators or, or auditors would want to see. Got it. And, and, and so as you move into uh, the Xbox role, maybe describe first what, what exactly is uh, S-Fox, what are you guys trying to build? Yeah, so um, what, we, what we've actually built is a an electronic prime dealer. Um, 
to give you a better or more easier explanation, um, say you are a high net worth individual, a business, a fund. Um, we're very similar to a interactive brokers for crypto. Um, if you are a retail, you know, individual investor, um, we're like a kayak uh, for crypto. Um, basically, ultimately, what that means is we provide a platform um, that's most, you know, that provides you the most efficient and competitive way to buy and sell crypto. Um, in order by, to do this, what we do is we, you know, provide an executable aggregated order book. Um, we avoid you having to ha having need to open an account at every single exchange and have a wallet and try to manage that. Um, we aggregate all of that so that in one single platform, you see the best available, most competitive um, public rate on all the exchanges into one platform, and then you're able to execute across it. Um, with that, we also give you algorithms so you become a little bit more competitive. For instance, if you're trying to buy a million or $2 million worth of, of Bitcoin, if you do that on a single exchange, there's a lot of hidden costs. There's a slippage. Um, but if you do that across multiple exchanges and add a, say, smart routing or an iceberg order, that gives you a better competitive um, price execution. Um, so what we're doing is ultimately providing a, a seamless gateway to buy and sell crypto, but making it very, very efficient and competitive. What, what is an iceberg order? So an iceberg order, what that does is, you know, again, like if you're trying to buy, sell a large size, you don't want to place that large size on an order book, especially in the crypto market where you're seeing there's a lot more transparency. You can see someone placing a large order. If someone sees that, someone's going to try to take advantage of it, right? So the best way to do this is to hide that order. What you would do is say, let's say you put a million dollar order, the system will break it out and only show you that you're looking to buy, say, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 worth. And as that gets filled, you'll start trickling out that order more and more so that, you know, the open market doesn't really see the full size behind it. Got it. And, and, and so you mentioned the hidden cost, right? Let, let's kind of attack or, or uncover the, the problems that most of these uh, institutions or even just large individual traders might not understand about the crypto markets. Um, describe more what those hidden costs are. What are the inefficiencies that maybe exist in uh, trading Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies that you wouldn't expect if you're coming from traditional markets? Yeah, sure. Um, man, there's like there's like actually so much. I, I think that the first part is with operations, right? Um, we're still we're still in the early stages of crypto. I would say. I mean, infrastructure has definitely proved um, since 2009 to now, but it's still very early. And when I say infrastructure is still really early, is that you know every exchange there's no uniformity across each one. Every exchange has a different API spec. Every exchange has a different reporting spec. Um, they have different fee structures. Um, different ways of funding. So when you consider all of that, you know, you have, to, you have to actually hire a team of three to four or five people just to manage that operational aspect, making sure that one, there's a security engineer, understanding how each exchange operates, um, what, what the withdrawal process is, deposit processes, and logging credentials. Um, then you have a, a financial person looking to what are the fees of each exchange? What are the, the volume tier discounts? Um, and then you have, you know, you have your 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 ops or reconciliation person looking at audit person looking at how are you know how are reports being you know being um how how excuse me how are trades being reported you know are they showing the 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 trade execution size are they showing the timestamp and so forth and then you have the engineers that need to integrate with every single unique um, API code because there's this there's a separate spec now so that's one aspect of it and then there's the liquidity um, you know. There's still not a lot of there's it's definitely available. Liquidity is definitely um, improved, especially with Bitcoin and Ether today than it was before. 
Um, but when you're trading on a single exchange, and we've seen this in the past where you've seen major drop-offs with like say on Coinbase or Kraken or so forth, is that you know a, a trader may accidentally place a, a large size order or a large size market order, and that may just eat up through straight through the um, the order book. Ultimately, at the end of the day, your net affected price just gets killed because you know although the top of the price that that spot price at the market may have, may have shown ten thousand, if you're trying to execute a million dollar trade, that might have gone through multiple different levels um, that ultimately cost your 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 trade execution to be on average around like six thousand or even less. Um, so those are the hidden costs that need that people need to be aware of. Got it. And, and so, how do you guys think about solving that problem? Um, and maybe really get into kind of uh, from the technical standpoint as much as you can, uh, you know, the use of different exchanges, breaking up the orders, et cetera. Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's actually, it's actually kind of quite interesting. We did like a um, an analysis um, a couple of weeks back of taking a snapshot of every single exchange on their order book every five minutes. Um, we did this for Coinbase, Ipit, Gemini, and uh, Bittrex and a few others, just kind of to see, you know, how much how deep of, of how many basis points down you would go on depending on the size right um and then it kind of showed that like you know one to five to ten twenty bitcoins you'll 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 go down anywhere from you know two basis points all the way all the way up to like you know 15 basis points even more so for us to avoid that what we did was we took every single exchange we have an account that you know our own accounts our own funds on every single exchange we combined the order books into one so that when you are executing, you're not executing on one individual exchange. We're placing the orders across and smart routing them across every single one. And it's not a matter of you know which exchange we prefer, we like better. It's all about the size and price that's available, and we just combine it. So when you look into say our order book, which we're very transparent about, you'll see that every every trade or every exchange is kind of overlapping each other. And in fact, there's actually a a a, a an unrealized a unrealized arbitrage opportunity where because of that 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 price difference um and so when we have that merge order book we're also we're also adding in algorithms um so that it can actively trade on every single exchange um you know because if, if you traded on one single one it would impact that order book and cause a, a a ripple effect so we're actively just using the algorithms or just actively placing orders on every single exchange depending on your size depending on the order type you're using and that's being executed. I see. And, and then when you think of the obstacles for building out the smart order routing, liquidity, um, and, and those types of uh, either functionality or benefits of, of the infrastructure, what's the current challenge, right? So when you go to work every day, you're like, this is the thing that we need to uh, to solve in order to keep scaling and, and really kind of take the business um, to, to a level that uh, that makes it more valuable to customers. Yeah, I, I think the the biggest thing like to, to solve, you know, you know, for infrastructure wise, when we're like, when there are a lot of trades being done, um, you know, again, like I think exchanges APIs are still trying to improve their their, their structure, and is making sure that they can handle that frequency. Um, and so, you know, when we're when we're operating on a day to day basis, you know, we're working closely with all, all of our partners. You know, if there if there if there is a latency issue, we try to we try to speak with them and try to fix that. Um, the other side of it also is is you know when operationally when we are you know, trying to help and understand, like explain to our customers of, of knowing, you know, how Bitcoin operates, what what is Bitcoin or, or even generally whatever crypto is, how you secure it, how you send it back and forth. Um, that education process is, 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 is still needed and something that we're, we're actively doing day to day. And on the operations side, 
I think most people understand there's technology at work here, right? But but they probably don't realize uh, what goes into the operations. Maybe just unveil a little bit how uh, an infrastructure player like Xbox thinks about operations and then what that looks like on a day-to-day um, basis. Yeah, got it. Um, so from, from that side, you know, we're on, from a day-to-day basis and operationally, we're looking at every single exchange on, you know, how much cash, how much capital we, we're, we're keeping across. Um, we're also looking at what the, you know, uptick and maintenance time is across every exchange. You know, looking at saying, you know, is are there any status issues with, you know, each exchange with their with the APIs or with the platform itself, um, and keeping and I'm trying to understand that on a day to day basis. You know, for us, the biggest problem with you know with anyone trying to trade on on a, on a you know in a non platform like ours is that you have to actively manage your own accounts on every single exchange. And when you realize, oh, you know, I have all my capital on one exchange A, but then you see that the price is a lot better um, or more competitive on a different exchange. What you have to do is you have to withdraw those funds. Um, your Bitcoin or your U.S. dollars, um, which takes about anywhere from, you know, one hour to four hours, depending on what you're using, um, and then transfer it over to the other platform um, where you then have to wait for that company to then credit your account. For us, you know, we actively have to make sure that we're, we're maintaining a, a strong balance of all funds um, while also ma- maintaining and reducing our, you know, our exchange and counterparty risk. So it, it's, it's really a strong balance of, the API, cash management, um, looking at, you know, ensuring that all orders are being processed correctly and keeping that, keeping that uptick time, um, you know, to what, to what people need. Where do you see, uh, or, or what do you see from uh, customer interest, right? As you guys are building this out, obviously having been doing this for four or five years now, uh, you've kind of seen the evolution, but the, today, the customers that are coming in and don't name names necessarily, but just like the types of customers, are we th- talking about uh, individual uh, retail traders? Are we talking about crypto funds, uh, family offices, institutions, a mix? Like, what, what do you see there? Yeah, um, good question. So we actually see people across the spectrum. Um, I'll, I'll talk about just, you know, SFOX, but also, you know, from what I've seen outside as well with speaking with partners and so forth. Like, you know, with SFOX and everywhere else, you know, we're seeing interest across from your your average, you know, your neighbor, John and Jane, sitting like, you know, right across, right across the street to high net worth individuals to, um, you know, early tech investors or early adopters, um, or even, you know, you could say like more adventure spenders, say like, you know, life enthusiasts or people who are looking at you know, how to improve their self life and, and self earnings uh, who are a little bit more adventurous in spending. Um, and then you see a lot of funds and businesses um, <clears throat> looking to get, get to lo- looking to get exposure to it. Because right now, like with crypto, you know, there, there's still so much there's still so much to do and so much to see. You know, from a from an investor standpoint, they, there's still a lot of speculation of where the value is going to come, right? And you have therefore you have a lot of that individual sophisticated investors looking to to get a piece of it or to hedge themselves and get that exposure to the portfolio. Um, you do have those retail guys as well that we that we that we that we bring in um, where. They hear it from their their uncle, their uncle or their aunt or their friend saying, you know, Bitcoin is the next big thing and that's going to make them rich or that, you know, they actually needed to pay their 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 relative or friend across country because it's the easiest way. Um, in fact, we actually even see people um, buying Bitcoin or crypto in order to pay for goods and, and services because um, they, they'll actually get receive a discount rather than if they paid with a credit card or debit card. Um, and then we also see businesses who are using Bitcoin 
where they are using it to, in order to pay their, you know, pay, to pay their international employees. You know, in this day and age, there's a lot of, you know, remote workers. You have, you know, specialized or, or fantastic engineers across the globe. But in order to pay these people, like using fiat and using USD or, or any, any, any local currency, it's, it's still a difficult, long process and costly. Um, we're seeing people using it as, instead than using Bitcoin because it saves them time and it saves them a lot of cost. Um, so that's that, those are the kind of individuals and investors that we see today. Do you see anybody not coming in, like any type of uh, investor or group that you talk to? They're like, uh, you know, thanks, but no thanks. We're, we're going to sit on the sidelines for now. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think like what we've seen and the people I've spoken to, it's it's a lot of the, the very, very, I would say the larger, like larger institutions um, or the more conservative funds, just because not 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 a matter of because they are they don't believe in crypto. Um, it's more of the infrastructure still needs development. Right. Um, and there still needs to be some clarity on on what needs to be done in crypto. What like, you know, what is crypto? What is Bitcoin? How will it be regulated? Um, the other side of it also is, is that, you know, if you are a more conservative fund, you know, you have to change your investment perspectives as well. So there are certain larger, you know, institutions or f- companies out there who, you know, are still look, are looking to crypto, but they, as is right now, they can't because there's still a lot of, of ambiguity or no, no clear direction on, you know, what the, what the regulation or how, how, like, you know, how everything would be managed. And so there's that part. Um, and as well as like, you know, I think infrastructure is still needed, right? I mean, we are still looking into custody and the FA, like, I think it was, um, what is it? Um, I think the SEC and CFTC came out recently and saying, you know, that they're, they're looking at the broker dealer and what's required for custody. Um, and so that, I think there is still a lot of clarification that's needed in order for these larger businesses or enterprises to come in. I see. And, and so as you look at some of that guidance from, uh, from the SEC, is there anything there that you think affects the way that you guys see uh, uh, the company unfolding in the future or, or the market? I mean, I think right now, like every, everything that every, – every, I, I think every, everything that they say, it's always helpful because it's – regardless if it's negative or not, it's been helpful because it provides a little bit more clarity and allowing you to, you know – figure out as a business, not only for SFOX, but for anyone really in, in the industry to figure out what they can and can't do or how they should go and approach it. Um, because before what everyone was really doing is, you know, saying, you know, if I want, if I want to get a security token, I need to get an ATS, I need to get a broker dealer, but the government really, or regulators never really clarified that's exactly what you need. Right. So people were just hoping that that's the right process. Um, so any, any news that, you know, pe- that the SC or, or the regulators come out is better than nothing. Um, I, from what we can tell, or at least what I can, what I see is that, you know, um, Bitcoin, Ether is not a security. It's still available. It's going to be used for, you know, many different reasons, um, either speculative or, or for a medium of exchange. Um, and, you know, in terms of security, like in terms of security tokens and so forth, you know, there is a lot of interest, um, of digitizing, you know, crypto or sorry, digitizing information that's being done today. Um, this, which is why the SEC and other regulators are getting so heavily involved, right? Because, you know, in in the in the, in the financial industry, they're a little bit more slow to act unless it's it's needed or demanded by a lot of people in the mass, right? And I think what we're seeing is that so many people are trying are getting involved, they're so curious that they're kind of pushing the the government regulators to to provide a little bit more information. So, I, I think what we're going to is more of a digital world. Um, we see that, you know, technology has been improving and 
a lot more investors, a lot more individuals are, are getting more keen on just trying to understand, you know, blockchain, decentralization, um, the, the verification, just pure information. Um, that's kind of like where we're kind of going. So that's what I kind of see right now. And so you look, you've, you've been in uh, Bitcoin and crypto for a while now and you've worked at a couple of different companies. So you get um, kind of you know, various perspectives, different experiences. What's been the biggest one or two changes that you've seen in the industry, whether it's uh, market conditions, you know, perspective, or, or maybe even the types of people that you've worked with? Well, what have those changes been over the last couple of years? You know, I, I think that there's over the changes, there's been a lot more sophistication coming in um, and intelligence. And I mean, like it is we are seeing smarter and smarter people coming in. People are learning, you know, pretty much dropping everything they're doing and trying to learn as much as possible. And, you know, people are 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 growing in light speeds. I mean, we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, peak kids who just graduated or are still in college, just becoming super knowledgeable in the space um, when before, you know, it was, it was really a core group of folks. And now this is expanding to a, a whole mass of individuals. Um, and then now we're also seeing a lot more sophistication of, of financial firms, like, you know, a lot more financial, like sophisticated trading firms getting involved, doing high frequency trading. And, and they're getting more involved with te- different types of trading products like derivatives or like, op- like you know, for instance, futures and options. Um, we're seeing a lot more sophisticated products being, being developed for crypto as a speculative, speculative product. Um, and you know that that's two parts of it: the sophistication of, of interest and that that growing uh, interest in crypto, but as well as the the advancement of, of, of trading products that are being that are being done um, for Bitcoin and, and and the others. What's your uh, most bullish outlook on uh, Bitcoin and crypto, and then what's your most bearish? Most <laughs> most bullish outlook on crypto. Um, you know, I could see. Personally, I know I'm I'm super I'm you know I'm I'm a, I'm a bullish guy on this that I could see Bitcoin being the you know the store value the digital gold of the future um, and I could see it being worth uh, a lot more than what it currently is um, and this is investment advice this is just my personal view um, but I could see it as digital gold because if you take a look at this for, when you compare it to any other crypto out there anywhere in the world. People know what Bitcoin is. Anywhere in the world, there is a, a an exchange that has Bitcoin as the underlying, or with or, or with a local uh, currency. Um, people have, you know, individuals have become a little bit more aware of how to use it, and, and there's more products uh, being built on it. And that's kind of why I see, you know, Bitcoin being that digital gold in the future. Um, bearish, you know, I, I I see I see that you know there's going to be a lot of you know, we've seen this with the ICOs. We've seen this with a lot of the, the you know, the altcoins. A lot of that, 95% of that, I think is, you know, has already been removed. And there's probably going to be a lot more removed after that. Um, and I probably say that there's only going to be a, like, the, like a handful of, of coins really um, available that, that actually have a use case that will be there. And, you know, that there will be a loss with the people who are investing into the other coins. I think that's fair. Um, all right. So, uh, I usually end each podcast with a rapid fire set of questions. What, uh, what do you think the most important company in crypto other than S Fox is? Yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, let's say like a single point of failure, I, I would say like, to be, to be honest, I think Coinbase, right? I mean, they have such a huge brand that they have such a huge outreach. If anything negative were to happen to them, like everyone, everyone that buys Bitcoin has heard of Bitcoin. What do they do? They typically go to Coinbase because they have the best brand, strong brand. Um, you know, they've been they've been a leader in a lot of things. 
And so if something negative would happen to Bitcoin, that would be a, a huge setback, which is why I think that, you know, they are a, a, a firm that, that's extremely important within the space. What do you think is the one regulation that you would change or improve if you could? I don't know, to be honest. I, I, that's, that's, something, that's, something, that's something more I got I to gotta think more about. Um, you know, for me, it's, I, I, frankly, I, I, just, I, just want, I just want to see a little bit more clarity. On, I just want to see more clarity on exactly who's, who's going to be regulating. Like, who should be, reg, like, should one, should Bitcoin be regulated? Should Bitcoin be regulated by a governing body or should it be in, like a self-regulated organization? Um, my, th- my thinking is, is that you know, there should be a self-regulated, uh, an SRO, right? Because Bitcoin's, Bitcoin crypto is a whole separate animal. Um, it's something that requires a lot of education, a lot of sophistication that that, that people have experience with, um, and it's it's you know it's, it's a decentralized system that needs to be a self-regulated body, um, and, and that's kind of where I stand. What do you think your most controversial thought in uh, Bitcoin or crypto is? If you said it, most amount of people would disagree with you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think a lot. Of, there's always been an argument of is Bitcoin a medium of exchange or is it a store of value, right? Quite frankly, or like, you know, is there even a use case for it? Frankly, I believe that Bitcoin is all of it, right? It's, it's both a store of value and a medium of exchange. The great thing about Bitcoin is that for us, you know, in the U.S., we may see it as a speculative product, but somewhere in the world, somewhere in like, say, an emerging market or somewhere else, it's being used for something else that we, don't, we may not even be aware of. And that's kind of the beauty of big, not only Bitcoin, but just crypto itself, because there's a use case for it. That people are being used that we may not be aware of, and it can be used any way that we want. And so that's 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 my view. And, and I, I think that you know, I think people push a little too hard, saying Bitcoin is this or this is a specific use case. It's it's a use case to how you would want to use it. It, it can be used for any single way that you need that it needs to be used for. Um, that's the beauty of it. It's the fact that it can be spent, controlled any way. You can use it as store value. You can use it as a payment. Um, I don't think there's going to be one specific use case. For Bitcoin, it's just going to be an overall, you know, expanding thing for anybody and everybody. For sure. What uh, what's the most important book you've ever read? Most important book, um, it's actually uh, the Dalai Lama Art of Happiness. Ooh. I read I read this back in um, in in high school. I was going through my teenage angst. I was so angry, you know, like I had to go after like everybody, like get into fights and everything. I don't, and I actually don't know how I came across this. Maybe I was going through a troubling time or something. Um, and, and I, I started reading and I kind of, I kind of just got, I just like, I think that was actually one of my first books I fully finished and sadly, I could sadly say that I fully finished when I was that young, um, where I come, I read it from, you know, front to back and it really honestly changed me because after reading that book, I had a whole new outlook in life in terms of, you know, like how do I maintain happiness? Like, who do I, what do I care about? What's actually important? And it really just changed my whole like aura, to be honest. I love it, man. It, it's uh, I always say a good book is just as much about what's in the book as when you read it, right? Right, exactly. Uh, all right. Before I let you ask me a question to uh, to finish up, I always talk about aliens. Uh, you a believer? Non-believer? You know, I I really do believe there are like so aliens are anything that's non like non-human or outside of this this world, yep. right? That's all um, I. I and you know, I think that def- there definitely is. What I think, though, though is, is even crazier. Um, like you know, there's definitely aliens out there, 100%. I believe, but there's also like we haven't even explored 
we've only explored about like I think what's it like five or six percent of our of our own water of our own globe, right? And so that water space, there's probably even aliens down there too. <laughs> um, I think that there are other species, other animals, or other creatures that we've never even seen or heard, not only in in our own waters locally, but in, like you know in the universe that you know unfortunately I don't think we'll ever be able to see because the universe is ever expanding. Um, we probably you know there's some there's probably something there, but I, I, unfortunately I don't think we'll ever come across it in our lifetime. I think that's uh that's my always my big question is after you get to uh do aliens exist or not then it's will we ever discover them or come in contact so uh, we'll uh, we'll see there what um uh, what one question do you have for me to uh, to wrap it up yeah um all right so I, I like to get a little personal with a lot of people when I when I speak with them um so let me see um you know if if you look back um what's the one thing you miss in your childhood. Like from now to like when you look back, like, you know, saying what, what you missed, like what's that one thing? So I grew up with uh, four younger brothers and uh, and we were wild, man. We used to do some wild ass shit, to be completely honest. And uh, it's one of these things where like, I remember like the summer times uh, when we were all out of school, we, you just wake up and you're just like, what can we, you know, screw up today? What, what trouble can we get into? What chaos can we cause? Uh, and it was never like really bad stuff, but it was just, you know, whatever like young boys could figure out to do that is fun that their parents probably don't want them doing. Uh, we did, we did it pretty much like every day. Uh, and so there's definitely, uh, you know, look, part of it is like that stuff isn't as, uh, entertaining as it once was. But, but if I think back to, uh, you know, a bunch of different childhood memories, that's probably one of them where it's just like me and my brothers roaming around, just frankly doing nothing while doing everything all at once. That's funny. Yeah, no, I, 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 like that kind of. It's kind of like the same thing for me. It's like back in the day, like with you and your brothers, you probably had, like there was no worries. It was just pure joy and happiness, right? You guys were just looking at how to explore, how to, how to like, how to either like how to get like in trouble or find out what you know what's gonna get you in trouble or just trying something different. I imagine, right? Like, I, like for me, it's, it's kind of like the same way. Like I, I grew up in the outskirts of the city, around like Jackson Heights, Queens. And like our day to day, me and my brothers, and like people within the neighborhood, we would just travel around all across cities on on foot or rollerblades, get into trouble, trying to see you know what else is new out there. <laughs> because, you know, back in the day, yeah, you didn't you didn't have an Uber or anything, right? Like what you had to do is actually run, bike, or, or travel, and like you know see what's actually across that that next city because your parents wouldn't drop you off. Um, and that was like that that pure joy of fun because it was you know it was natural, it was genuine. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh it's one of these things where like um. The curiosity takes over, right? And, uh, and and then once you find something new, you know some of the stuff you like, some of the stuff you don't like, and you can start building out habits and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, look, it's um, I, I tell folks all the time that the one thing I'm super grateful for was growing up uh, very early on. I think uh, all of my brothers and I uh, discovered that um, life is just uh, more enjoyable when you're having fun, right? And you're kind of joking around and laughing, etc. And so uh, thankfully we all uh, continue to try to do that today. But, but I really do think a lot of those memories um, kind of, you know, formed that, uh, that perspective on life. Yeah, man. It, it, I mean, couldn't you say that it's also kind of like how, uh, at least for me, that's kind of what kind of also drew me into crypto as well. Like, I, I think one of the things that I really loved about in, in the early days was that the crypto community, everyone was doing it out of pure joy. Like people weren't really getting paid of it. It was more of, you know, everyone was so collaborative. 
like everyone would want to try to figure out, you know, how like, you know, whatever business you were doing, how, how we could help out and build that community. Um, and it was just that, that natural enjoyment of trying to build this future, right? Like you, you imagine like, you know, back like in 2011, 2012, where, you know, this, or even earlier, people just had this idea and then, you know, no one was getting paid, but people were just collectively coming in. You saw this like family grow even larger and larger. Uh, and that's kind of like where we are today, right? And, like everyone that's involved loves it so much that they're just like, you know, jumping ship and just trying to focus on this. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time that uh, Bitcoin, I think, is a great example of uh, there's there was pent up energy, right? Both that was negative towards the legacy system and it was positive towards uh, a desire for a new um, option or a new system. And with the uh, advent of, uh, of Bitcoin and, and blockchain technology, um, it just unleashed what was already there. Right. And uh, that's part of the beauty of it. Okay, I hear that, man. I agree. All right, man. Listen, I really appreciate you doing this. I think what you guys are doing at S Fox is, uh, is awesome. Um, and, uh, and we'll have to check in again later as, uh, as we kind of get into this bull market that's coming and, and uh, see how things are going. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, everyone. Pop here. If you like this episode of Off the Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, simply go to the Off the Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off the Chain.